Hi, this is Sam Lagana with the Los Angeles Rams. Who's house? You're listening to the Los Angeles Rams UK Podcast. Undenied worldwide, the Los Angeles Rams. It doesn't get any better than this. Let's go Rams! Good evening and welcome to episode 58 of the LA Rams UK Podcast. Joining this evening is Andy. Hi Andy, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Tony? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Thanks Thanks for coming back this week. And we also have a new guest this week, Amelia. How are you, Amelia? I'm great, Tony. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. No, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Do you just want to introduce yourself to the audience? I can do, yeah. I've uh, been a Rams fan for probably the last four or five years, um, ever since the return, really, to L.A., um, and I met up with you in London um, a couple of years ago now, wasn't it, for the Bengals game? 2019, um, I think it was, yes. Yeah. Um, and that was fun and kind of interacted with the Facebook group, kind of kept in touch with what the group's doing. Um, and, yeah, you've kindly asked me to come on here and hopefully I'll say something that's, uh, I suppose, relevant and interesting and, and hopefully give, uh, I think you were hoping to get a female opinion um on the podcast so that's what i'm here for so we'll see how it goes i, I think we're always looking for different opinions at the moment it's um, i mean it's great that john and andy have been joining us for the last few weeks now but it's, 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 it's it helps spread the load of the the podcast as well with everybody's busy busy schedule but it's, it's always good to get a different perspective as well because we all watch the game from a from a different angle from our experiences so we, we had quite an eventful game against the Lions with the re- return of the golf. I was going to say St. Louis for a second because we were just chatting about that before <laughs> the podcast, but to Los Angeles. Obviously, Michael Brockers returned to, to the, the field as well for us. Uh, so that was a good reunion. Several slights of hand by the Detroit Lions. What are your initial thoughts there, Andy? Yeah, it was one of those games that just had you scratching your head, I think you know what what is going on here you know fair play to Detroit they came out they tried you know they seem to have a bit of a game plan to try and nullify us but luckily in the end you know the quality of our team shined uh, and we managed to get a win but yeah there was quite a lot of questions this week that need to be asked especially unfortunately with the special teams and just how poorly they played yeah I think we were caught on the back foot a couple of times early doors, weren't we? Amelia, any initial thoughts from yourself? Uh, well, I thought it was a really shaky start and didn't really look like the Rams team that we were used to seeing so far this season. Yeah, they, the Lions special teams definitely took us by surprise. I think we had the onside kick that came out of nowhere and then the fake punt. And yeah, it just... I suppose the, the defensively, we didn't quite look as solid. I thought um, DeAndre Swift, it was he was able to just run straight through us, and that was quite unusual to see them to see us. I suppose having difficulty with stopping the run, but I mean overall, I think we made up for it. It just took us a little while to get into our stride. Um, the great thing I think was seeing that with Matthew Stafford, we've definitely. I think we look a threat when he's got the ball. I think obviously we've got that option to go long, which we didn't have with Goff. And that was really noticeable, I think, looking at how the Lions set up with him always looking to for the screen passes and looking just to check down all the time. It almost, you know, from my point of view, I was watching it and just thinking how relieved I was that we actually managed to get that trade to happen. It obviously cost us a lot in the end, but I think we're a much better looking team um, having Goff under centre, um, sorry, having Stafford under centre um, than we were last season. Yeah, it's, it's a hard habit to break seeing Goff under centre, isn't it? it but is, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I think the further we get into the season, the, the cheaper that deal or the better end of that, the better that deal seems to look for us. And I, I think um, I think a lot of the Lions fans are coming round to the uh, conclusion that maybe they didn't get the deal that they thought they had. But, um, I mean, going back to the actual game, I mean, that, that 63-yard touchdown by DeAndre Swift just it, it took the wind out of my sails initially mm. uh, and then to be swiftly followed up by that um, that onside kick, that successful online kick. You, mean, you don't usually see those until the, the twilight of the fourth quarter when a team's getting quite desperate. But I, it, it did feel as though it was very deliberate 
from the Lions. This was their game plan. This was their script. And this is how they were going to try and knock us out of our rhythm. And they certainly did that for the first quarter. because They, they, they got that uh, really quick touchdown, followed it up with a field goal. And then we went down the field again with that quite decent long pass to um, Cooper Cup for 29 yards uh, and got ourselves a, a field goal. But then again, Andy, the, the Lions again came back with another field goal. So we ended that quarter 13-3. Was it? Oh, no, no, it was, it was, it was over the um, the quarter, the first into the second one, where it ended up 13-3. I think we were 10-3 yeah. down at the end of the first quarter. Yes, yes. And it was. It, I think it took the team by surprise. And it, it certainly took me as a, as a fan and a viewer by surprise as well. But I think there was a bit of a turnaround in the second quarter. because we, we did come out quite strong with that 11-yard Van Jefferson touchdown, which was which was very pleasing that we was able to make that sort of response. Andy? Yeah, it was nice. You know, we, we, we came back um, from the second quarter and responded. You know, we seemed to get our head up a little bit, you know. And once we got to that point, to be honest, you felt the game was starting to get back under under our control. It's just... I think Detroit came out with a game plan, which was to hit us early with weird plays, probably to try and keep Stafford off the field because they knew what he could do. They've obviously seen our offense over the past few weeks. You know, you know, it, it worked well. But once we started to gain control, once we started to get that little bit of a rhythm, it didn't feel like one of those games we were going to lose. As I say, once we got over those initial nerves, I think. Yep, definitely. I mean, we did. We didn't really get our noses in front until the the back end of the um um the quarter the second quarter where we managed to get that uh, there was a couple of players on a 13 player drive wasn't there there was there was cup for 27 yards and then, then we spread it around a little bit to uh, to woods for another 20 plus yards to make the game 16 13 um, but then the the lions came back at the same quarter to make it 16 17 yeah 16 17 but it's it, it, we, it did take us a while to get that rhythm going. Any other thoughts from that, that second quarter, Amelia? I think that was the quarter when we started to see Higby coming into the game a little bit more. Um, and I thought he actually had a decent game. I think he's a good option for Stafford to have because obviously he's always looking for cup at the moment. But yep. to have that other option that's, you know, moving, he's almost at times playing in the slot, which is interesting. Um, but he's quite a big guy, isn't he? So... Um, yeah, he's, he's a good option to have, and I think he he's there, you know, where we need those to make up those shorter yard plays just to, to guarantee us a first down, and I think that was when he started to come into the game a little bit more. Yeah, I, th- I think Higby's had a really good season so far. You know, he's, he's targeted eight times at the weekend um, mm. for five receptions and 46 yards, so he's, he's there as a, as a good tool and a good option. Um, I was a little bit surprised not to see more of Deshaun Jackson, to be honest. He was only targeted once and, and he didn't manage to get his hands on on, on the ball at all. Yeah, was, he was double teamed on that play as well, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's obviously there as a, as a speed option, isn't he? But I think with the emergence of Van Jefferson, maybe we're just not going to see him as, as much as we thought we might. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned this before on the podcast that, you know, as soon as Deshaun Jackson's on the field, the defence knows that that long option is on the table. So they have to do something about that. So even just having him on the field is a good distraction and, and to put the other team on the back foot. But um, whether he'll he'll long term be a, a good option for us is, is another matter. Any other thoughts, Andy? No, again, it's just, you know, eventually defence came up, you know, Typical goth through two interceptions, you know, and um, once the defence got going, it started to look good again. You know, there's still a few question marks, you know, linebackers, etc. But the game looked comfortable in the end. With regards to Jackson, I think, again, it's just keeping him fit and healthy, I think, because of his injuries. I don't think he's a long-term option. I think he's only going to be a one-year player for us. I think the hope, and by that point, possibly Atwell will take his place as that speed option, to be honest. You know, he's what, he's Jackson 34, 35 now? Yeah. So, you know, I don't think he's got much tread left in the tyres. And like I said last week, you know, I think it's it's just a case of McVeigh's trying to keep him fit and healthy for further down the stretch, you know, when when we may need that 
bit of pace to get, you know, beat teams or to be the decoy at least to beat those teams, which will allow Higby, Cup and Woods to get open, you know, to, to make plays for us. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think we really saw Jared Goff doing Jared Goff things at the end of the game. because the, the, the Lions were right there in the red zone, ready to re- what could have been really tying the game up. What would have been 25 all, I think, they could have made it up to and, and put their noses in front, which would have made it quite a tense fourth quarter. But then birthday boy Jalen Ramsey steps up and gets what is a a really important interception. And then we go down and, and, and get that field goal to make it 28-19. And, and again, another important interception from, from Scott, which really kills the game for us. But it was it was really it was really Jared Goff doing Jared Goff things there, Amelia, I think. I mean, if that doesn't sum up Goff under pressure, then I don't know what does, because he'd taken nine minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter got them down into the red zone. And then, as you said, Ramsey with the pick. Um, yeah, it was just very typical of Goff. And, you know, as, I suppose as Rams fans, we can feel a bit for, for Lions fans watching him in that situation because that's exactly what he, he used to do for us at times. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very trademark Goff. And you're kind of glad that you've got somebody like Jalen Ramsey on your side to make that pick, really. He's another player that's, you know, in the big big game moments you want him on your team most definitely most definitely because i mean uh, we have the discord running during the game and there was there was a lot of angst from the people in that group particularly around our special teams and our our defense Uh, but i I think the defense stepped up when they really needed to and you know they're, they're not putting points on the board but they they really won that game for us in that fourth quarter i think yeah, absolutely. I think that what was interesting, I think, from the defensive side was Kenny Young had a really good game. He got a sack. I think he had at least three tackles, a few assisted tackles. And then, of course, after the game, we discover he's been traded away. It, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. But yeah, some of the performance from the defence, I think, was mixed. But I actually thought he had a decent game. So that was surprising for me. Um, I thought t- Taylor Rapp had a, a decent game again he's not quite where John Johnson was for us but I think you know still he got some potential and I thought the other one worthy of a mention was uh, Terrell Lewis Um, I know he's still quite young Um, I thought he did okay but he had a really unfortunate penalty I'm not I think it was probably in the second or the third quarter and that seemed to knock his confidence a little bit so I think yeah, there's definitely still work to do with the linebackers. We need somebody else to come in now. But I think, you know, there's potential with some of the players that we have got, I think, to to give us a little bit more. Yes, definitely. I mean, any of the final thoughts on any particular players that, that worked well for you, Andy? No, not really. You know, like I say, you know, what one interesting thing I will take, I think, from this game is the fact that, you know, Detroit had more yards than us overall. And Detroit had, I think it was an extra five minutes more on the clock. But again, even though they had the the time, they never looked, once we were in control, like they were threatening. And it's nice to see that, you know, typically, you know, as they say, who owns the clock tends to win games. And it's nice to see, you know, we can have less time on the clock and still get the job done comfortably in the end. So, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, side of it that we are, you know, can control even when we're not controlling the clock, control games to a certain extent. Yeah, as much as we decry our special teams falling for the the fake punts and the online onside kick and everything like that, you know, they are what seem to be the weak link at the moment. But again, we've we've proven the old adage that a good team finds a way to win. And then that's the important bit is that we are now six and one. And we're looking at a, a head to a game against the Texans, who are, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they are one and six, aren't they? Yeah, they're one and six. Yes, so potentially another trap game, but um, we'll, we'll get to that in due course. So overall, all, overall, it was it was it wasn't the game we was expecting. I think a lot of people had us winning by a, a good two scores. Uh, before the game kicked off. And I, th- I think a lot of the media pundits had us winning by 14 or more anyway. But we managed to get the win and we 
we we stuck to our place as second in the table as the the Cardinals went seven and zero. Uh, but then, as as Amelia mentioned, we had what was a bit of a surprise move early in the week with Kenny Young going to the Denver Broncos, who I believe have eight linebackers on the injured reserve or not available to them. So they were they were getting pretty desperate, and an exchange of picks as well sees him move to Denver and free up about 1.3 million in cap space for us. And everybody seems to be on tenterhooks now that there's going to be a big trade in the offing. What are your initial thoughts on that, Amelia? Do you think we've got a trade coming in? Do you think it'd be a splash, a splash trade? Well, I think if you read what McVeigh said in the week, he seems to be trying to play this talk down. But I think that's something that we're very used to. They tend to hold their cards quite close to their chest, don't they? But they have apparently restructured uh, Rob Havenstein's contract as well, which has freed up, I think it's another 1.3 million or so in cap space. So I think there's definitely got to be somebody coming in. It's just a question of who and you know, really, we do need another linebacker. So maybe somebody like Miles Jack from the Jacks. <laughs> uh, you've been reading my mind. And also I've, I've been reading Rams on Demand Forum as well and trying to pick their brains. And um, yes, um, Jack is one of the names that keeps coming up. Um, but, you know, how expensive would he be? Can we can we physically afford the money for him? Because the, the chat I've seen is that he'd probably cost us a second uh, this for next year and a fifth for 2023. And, you know, everybody knows that Les Snead doesn't like picks. They're just future capital for players. And if we can bring in an established linebacker like Miles Jack, then all to the good. What are your initial thoughts, Andy, on, on a potential trade and Kenny Young departing Los Angeles? I was surprised to see Kelly Young go because, you know, he has been probably our best interior linebacker so far this season. He's making plays, you know, he's getting up and down. He's never going to be, you know, up in the like realms of, you know, your Bobby Ragners, Frank, you know, Fred Warners, but he's done a decent job. I just think maybe this was more that he, he was only his fourth year of his rookie contract and it might just have been more a case of we're not going to sign him. You know, the Broncos have got desperate, you know, let's be honest, I think they took Kaiser off us a couple of weeks ago from the practice squad. They signed him off there. You know, it was basically a case of we're not going to sign Young, so we might as well get something for him because he came to us as part of the trade from Baltimore for Marcus Peters anyway uh, when we made that trade a couple of years ago. I don't think there will be a trade. I just have a feeling that they're going to go with who we've already got. You know, we've got Ernest Jones, who, you know, throughout preseason and in training camp, the staff were raving over how good he was. You know, in preseason, he was getting the green dot, calling the plays. You know, so I think that the look at him, and everyone seems to forget, we've still got Trayvon Howard, who, you know, McVeigh seems to like. You know, he, he keeps him around. He likes him. He's a converted safety. So, you know, we could end up with possibly Ernest Jones playing more the traditional run stuff and middle linebacker. Trayvon Howard playing, you know, the coverage linebacker. I think, you know, people are saying, oh, Miles Jack and what have you. I don't think we could afford him. He's, I think his cap hit is something like 12 million this year. And then it goes up to 16 million next year. So that one I can't see. Another one I've seen on that was on, um, I think it was Ramswire, was a potential to sign. A, I'm probably going to butcher his name now, but um, Feda Soya Alunakun from um, the Falcons. But again, he's on the fourth year of his rookie contract, so we'd have to probably work a contract out. What would probably get me more thinking that something could happen is if we restructured Stafford's contract. Because I think when he came, I read when he, we made the trade that if we restructured and gave him an extra two years, we could free up between eight and 10 million a year in cap. So if we start seeing tra Stafford's thing going, I think that's when we're probably going to start seeing maybe a trade is more likely. Interesting. So I've just had a quick look at the salary cap and it's been updated today. So we do have a massive 5.2 million in, in, in cap space at the moment, which is, um, which is astounding because you know we, we usually play it quite close to the wire and we're carrying 40 million pounds worth of dead money as well at the moment did i say pounds i meant dollars obviously so 40 million dollars <laughs> worth of dead money which is jared goff todd Gurley, 
Leonard Floyd and Michael Brockers for the majority of that. Um, I mean, Todd Gurley is still costing us $8.4 million this, this year, this season, which is astounding, to be fair. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm still expecting a trade. I don't really know where it's going to come from or what it's going to cost us or anything, to be honest. But I'd, I mean, would you trade for special teams? I don't think you really would at the moment. I think you'd sort of carry on and maybe trying to change some of the coaching. The only thing I can see happening would be on the defensive side of the ball um, because the the offence seems to be there or thereabouts. I know we've got Cam Akers and it came out, I think it was either yesterday or Monday, that we're sort of expecting him back for the playoffs. Yeah, did, I did, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is good news for his injury and optimistic that we we could and should make the playoffs, obviously. Um, but I think that would really, I think it'd be a really good boost to the team to sort of get to the playoffs and have somebody of Cam Akers' calibre coming into this into this into the options for us. Yeah, it, it, I must admit it does worry me whether Henderson will will hold up because he has got a history of injuries, particularly muscle injuries. Um, and Sony Michelle is not really offering very much. I mean, I know they're not giving him many, giving him many snaps at the moment, but you know, personally, that's something that I do worry about slightly going forward. Is will Will Henderson be okay? Because he's basically, you know, he's he's the only one really offering us much in the running back room. Yes, indeed. Um, any other thoughts on players, Andy? Any other news that you've gleaned? No, I've not gleaned any other news at the moment. I've been keeping a close watch out, you know, just like everyone else, just in case there is that, you know, typical Lesney trade that goes under the wire. Another possibility, I think, trade is they may actually not be looking, you know, we may be looking at completely the wrong place and it may be cornerback that, we, you know, we may be looking at. David Long hasn't played well. Obviously, um, Darius Williams, has he got another two weeks, I think, before he can come back off injured reserve? Yeah, and then obviously, due, yeah, another two Robert, games before he can yeah, come back. Um, obviously, uh, Robert Rochelle got injured in the Detroit game. Uh, you know, so we're starting to look a little bit thin in the secondary as well. So it could be, you know, they're just freeing up cap maybe to bring, you know, a veteran player in off, you know, free agency. Maybe, you know, just to cover for a few weeks to give us, you know, an extra body back there just in case we do end up with more injuries. Yeah, I mean, we've got form with that, obviously, because we brought CJ Anderson in a couple of seasons ago, didn't we, um, for cover, and and just just sort of brought him in for that veterans type of experience and another body on the line. So yeah, that, that that's that's probably a good call, Andy. But uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see what Mister Sneed has up one of his sleeves. Um, <laughs> so I, I was just having a quick look at the predictions that the. The six of the the Rams UK team made before the season. Interesting that we all had us down to beat the Lions, which is good. Everybody apart from Rob had us down for losing two games already at this stage. So Rob is correct in so much he's got the the six and one. Everybody else had us at least well. Everybody else had us at five and two at this stage of the season. And and as we step forward to looking at the Houston game. All six of us predicted a, a Texan, sorry, a Texans loss. So obviously a Rams win, which would take us to seven and one in reality. Um, initial thoughts on the Texans game, Amelia? Uh, well, I think Vegas have us as fourteen and a half point favourites, which is no surprise, is it, given the uh, the start that the Texans have had? Um, and I think they've got the over under set at forty seven point five points, so relatively high scoring game. Yeah, um, it should be another win in the column for us. I think it's just a a question of how many, really. Let's be positive. Uh, This sounds very familiar to what the conversation we had between us uh, before the Lions game. I think it was a similar sort of uh, spread before the game. I mean, it's it's interesting Mm -hmm. looking at the Houston schedule, actually, because they did fairly well first, you know, week one. They beat the Jaguars fairly convincingly, 37-21. And then lost to the Browns, the Panthers, they've, the yeah. Bills. They've had quarterback issues, though, haven't they? They have, yes. Um, that's their problem, not my problem. Thank, thank goodness <laughs> this year. And, you know, they put up a pretty poor show against the Cardinals, really. We are 31-5. 
So they're not in a happy place at the moment. And, you know, you never want to be going somewhere on, yeah, you don't want to be going to a team that's down and maybe fight, starting to scrap for the fans. That that can always feel like a trap game, Andy, can't it? Yeah, it can, you know. Again, it's one of those games on paper, you know, this should be a comfortable win, you know. It should be another Giants game where it's over by half time. But like you said, we said this last week and, you know, look what happens. I will say, I believe the Texans are likely to get Tyrod Taylor back this week. You know, he's been practicing this week, so they're hoping that he'll be back for the game this week. But again, if if your whole offense is relying on not being disrespectful to him, a, a quarterback at the caliber of Tyrod Taylor. Sorry, he's coming know, in as a quarterback, is he? He's not a tight end now. No, no. All right, okay. It's hard to keep track of these things. Yeah. No, you know, so he's he's potentially coming back this week from injury. But again, it's another reunion. We've got Brandon Cooks, you know, coming back this week, you know. So, you know, let's hope we can just keep him quiet for the game. That's always concerning, isn't it, when there's a returning player of that sort yeah. of calibre. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we, we overcame Goff and Brockers this, this week. So, hopefully, we can uh, do something to keep uh, Brandon quiet. Um, any particular players that you've you've spotted on the on the Texans that we should be concerned about, Andy? No, not really. Again, you know, like I said, Tyrod Taylor's coming back. As much as their record is, you know, bad, it's been that they, I think they had, what was it, zero points against the Bills, three points against another team, and then five points against the Cardinals. You know, it has all been with um, their backup quarterback, you know, I believe they were, sli- you know, I'd say, slightly more competitive when they had Tyrod Taylor in. Um, obviously, you know, it's a danger of Brandon Cooks, you know, his speed, his pace. It, it's one of those games, I think, when you look and go, right, well, they don't have much else. Let's get put Ramsey on them, just nullify him out of the game. And that's it. It should be game over if you, if you get rid of him. I've just had a look at the squad for the Texans, actually, and we've missed a returning player. Danny Amendola's in the squad. Oh, I thought he'd retired, to be honest. <laughs> I honestly I thought he had retired. Yes. He was um, at the Lions, wasn't he, last season, I think? He, he certainly seems to have done the rounds since he left us. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, there's, a, there's a returning name for us to, to toy with, Danny Amendola. Crikey. Um, I, I'd forgotten where he'd gone to, to be honest. But, uh, again, like Amelia says, I, 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 I sort of assumed that he'd retired. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, it's a shame he's not coming to LA and um, the game is in Houston. But um, yeah, so it feels like we're pretty confident about this game, but also wary at the same time that it could be that classic 2020 New York Jets type of game where we, we've got to put this game to bed fairly early and then hopefully curse to the uh, the win in the fourth quarter. Any other comments there, Amelia? Uh, just that Tyra Taylor is known for like he likes to rush the ball, he likes to run, doesn't he? I think he actually got injured going in for a, a rushing touchdown. I think that's um, what put him out for a few games. So it'd be interesting to see whether that makes him a little bit more cautious than usual or not, particularly going up against our defense. But yeah, looking at the, as you say, the the roster of the Texans, they've they're really lacking names. I mean, I know they traded away a lot of their their big name players, but yeah, it's really feeding on scraps really in terms particularly the receiver room um and then you've got like the likes of david johnson who's you know veteran running back now um some of their defenders i think are okay they've got uh, christian kirksey and uh, zach cunningham um so yeah I, I i i think we can be fairly confident on this one Excellent. That sounds good to me. And to mention, as I did mention before the podcast, because of the um, the clocks going back in the UK, um, we we do have a 5pm kickoff this weekend, um, which obviously happens every year. But it's always a, always seems a bit of a surprise to me that we get a 5pm kickoff. But it does mean the game should be finished by half past eight. So we, we should be able to get to bed at a reasonable time on a Sunday. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds very good. Yeah, be nice because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll have the dads group on Discord all all decrying the fact that they can't get the kids to bed, though, Andy. Oh, I say it's, it's quite fun watching that. Like I say, I'm I'm lucky with a 17 and a 12 year old. They get themselves to bed these days, but I remember the pain of of it all. 
you know. But unfortunately, we never got our chance to discuss fine whiskies this week because of the game. You know, we were hoping for a fine whiskey debate after, you know, half time. And because it was still a close game, we never got the chance to. So maybe that's still on the cards for this week. Hopefully, if we can uh, basically have the game won by half time. You'll have to get your drams lined up then, Andy. Yeah, we certainly will. So what we usually do now is have a trawl through the, the questions from our social media crowds. I've got all the bits and pieces up here, so we'll, we'll see what we have. Daniel Flint was fishing for what trade is Les lining up at linebacker? Also, I know Les loves a six-round pick, but giving up Young and a seventh doesn't seem like a great deal, does it? Uh, and does it leave us a little light? And I, th- I think we've really we, we've discussed this a little bit already, and I don't think we've really got anything to add. I mean, I, I was sort of thinking that we'd have had something done by now if it was going to happen. I know we have until... I think it's till Tuesday is the deadline, is it, Andy? Yeah, I think it's 4pm on the 2nd of November. Right. I'm not sure if that's 4pm our time or if it's 4pm over in the States. I'm not too sure. So, you know, there's there's still a little bit of time. There's plenty of time for Lesney to pull something out of the bag. So I think think we've we've handled Daniel's question there. I think Uh, the only thing I would say with regards to the young trade is I was surprised that we even gave up seventh. You know, the Texans were, eh, sorry, not the Texans, the Broncos were desperate. I think, you know, we we could possibly have got a little bit more out of that. So, you know, my concern is that we, I'm not saying we're going to be for fleece, but, you know, I think we could have got a little bit more than we did for them. I think you're probably right. We could have, I mean, there's the future relationship as well. If Broncos want want a good trade partner in the future, they'll, they'll remember that we we didn't do the dirty on them when they were really desperate this season. So uh, it makes me makes me want to look at their depth chart chart now to see um, what who we might pick up off them next season. But um, I think we'll leave that discussion for another time. Ian Woodley on on Facebook. With the exception of Matt Gay, why is our special teams a mess and will it cost us? Amelia, anything to add on that? We do seem to have gone backwards since Coach Burns left us to go to the Cowboys uh, and obviously Greg's airline as well. Anything you want to add? Any comment up to, to Ian Woodley? I think we just have to see what happens in the next game. I think there's, you know, it's it's the major thing that everybody's talking about after the Lions game. So you have to see how they react and hopefully they'll um, they'll improve. But yeah, it's it was good to see Matt Gay have a much better game. So that's a positive. But yeah, it's always tricky with special teams because when somebody does make a mistake, it, it does tend to be very costly, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yeah, and I think we've been used for a number of years of having what is considered an elite special teams unit with really good camaraderie. And it's not quite at that level at the moment. And I think it's it's obvious to the fans that the the level has changed. And I think we have a competent special teams unit. It's just that for so long we've been used to that elite level status. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's one of them things that, you know, unfortunately when we had the special, you know, we had a QB who was under his rookie contract, which frees up cash, you know, so we, we you could have slightly better players as well in those positions because you had the cap available you know as you say we're 40 million down the hole in a cap before we even start so that could possibly you know come into it your backups aren't quite as established players as they would be who would normally be on your special teams so I think sometimes that can come into it as well people seem to forget you know the special teams is just mainly you know apart from maybe your punt returner your kick returner and you know your long snapper the rest of them are just you know depth players so if you if you don't if you've got not saying poor but you know below average players as your backups it affects your special teams and I think that's what's happened is you know a lot of it is the players aren't as good as they were in the past and it reflects on the special teams and I think you've lined up the next question really well Andy so I'm gonna I'm gonna post this one at you so Vince Kitagawa asks whatever happened to Tutu Atwell it's interesting, but I'd say look at Van Jefferson last season. You know, a lot of us were crying for Van Jefferson to come into the game to replace Josh Reynolds, you know. And I think this year it's similar. We've got Deshaun Jackson, who's that deep threat. So I think they'll just literally sit in 2 2 Atwell for a year to get him up to speed. 
maybe possibly to put a little bit of bulk on him because you know he's what 140 pounds 150 pounds mm-hmm. you know so there might be that worry that you know maybe we need to get an extra you know, 10 15 pounds on him to, to make him survive contact in the nfl i think again he was supposed to be our kick punt returner but you know i think the only one he's played he basically spilled the ball and maybe it's just a case of the thought you know what he's maybe lacking a bit of confidence at the moment so we'll pull him out you know, we'll give him a bit more training on it and then maybe we'll stick him back in if we need to. It always scares me when they, they put Cooper Cup in the punt returns because it's, obviously it's a, it's a vulnerable position to put him in when he's such an influential player for us. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Tutu Atwell on punt returns if he can do a, a decent job of it. So... Okay, that's McVeigh's spoken a little bit about him today, actually. Um, I read earlier, so I think he's just said that he's not ready. Um, he said uh, that he wants to see an increased sense of urgency from him. And at the moment, there's a lot of guys that are in front of him in the queue, um, particularly a lot of the veterans. It's a case of being patient with him and he'll play when he's ready, which I suppose is frustrating because he was a second round pick. So you kind of expect those guys to be to come into the league and, and be prepared to be thrown in. You do you do indeed. And um, I suppose yeah. that is disappointing, but it's not unreasonable, that sort of explanation, is it? I think what a lot of fans are, are I think, I'd say annoyed about is, you know, second round pick, there was holes that needed to be filled. Luckily, Brian Allen's come, come up good, but, you know, there was that worry, I think, at the beginning of the season, would Brian Allen be good enough? You know, when there was players available, you know, the linebacker position, you know, people are saying, you know, we could have got, you know, a Nick Bolton who's playing well, probably about the only bright spark for the Chiefs defence at the moment. Players like that were still available. So I think a lot of the frustration for the fans is, as I say, he's, he felt more like a luxury pick rather than a you know a team need pick it was like oh look at him he can do this that okay well we'll take him and we'll figure a way of getting him in rather than you know right okay second round player we haven't got first rounders so the second rounders have got to be you know we've got to hit the nail on the head with them there was players i think that the fans were saying you know, it would be an instant impact, not somebody who we're going to wait a year or two before we see. And I, th- I think the fans are impatient, as as a lot of fans are. Uh, you know, you, you want to see those those picks, as you, as you say, become players on the field that you, you can idolise because they're doing a great job for the team. But um, I, I think that answers um, Vince's question. So Brendan Johnson, again on Facebook, asks, do you think it's a good idea to let Kemakers play this season, even if it is later games or playoffs? And I, th- I think we, we did touch on this earlier, and I'm of the opinion that it'd be, it'd be great to see him back, actually. And if it's in the playoffs, all the better. Amelia, anything else to add to our earlier discussion on that one? I know that it'd be a huge yes for me. I think we saw what happened to us Last year when we got to the playoffs and we were struggling with personnel, you need to have your best players, provided they're obviously healthy, you want them to play. So if he's healthy, then yeah, he should play. Excellent. Andy? Yeah, again, you know, if, if he's healthy, you know, let, let's get him in. You know, if nothing else, it gives the opposition defence something else to maybe think about is, well, OK, Akers is back. But again, I'd, the only thing I'd say is, you know, if Henderson slash Michelle are playing well, then I'd rather he was maybe just on the bench and let the players with the hot hand run rather than trying to bring Akers in and getting him up to speed because, you know, he's basically going to miss pretty much of the year. Sometimes getting them back up to speed after those injuries can be the difficult part. And I think there's an opportunity there as well. You know, if he does come back for either the last game or at the start of the playoffs, is that there isn't much tape available for, or any tape available to the opposition on him. So, you know, we don't know what he's being coached in behind the scenes or what he's trying out. So, you know, it's an unknown quantity that we can throw into the mix in, in the postseason. So I'm, I'm all for that. And The only uh, thing that worries me with it is we don't want to end up with a girly situation where we flung, keep flinging them back in too early and the injuries get worse and worse and worse. That's the only thing that would worry me with it is, you know, I'd rather, if we've got the hot hand, as I said, in Henderson, Michelle, just leave him out. Let, let's get him fit for next season rather than, you know, get him back in. He gets injured and then, like I so said, we end up with a girly situation, Mark two, basically. 
that sounds fine to me. So we'll switch over to Twitter. And a good question here from our friend John, um, who isn't here this week. Earlier this season, we said that the NFC West was the strongest division in the league. What's your opinion on how the division currently stands, where we are at, and what it will take to derail the Cardinals? There's quite a lot to unpack there, Amelia, but do you want to have a fair stab at that? I I think it's typical of, you know, what we see in most seasons, isn't it, is that, you know, once you struggle with an injury or two, it can really affect you as a team. And so far, we've been quite fortunate in that respect. But obviously, the Seahawks have lost Russell Wilson. The 49ers have got a huge issue at quarterback, um, which I think is really affecting them at the moment. And they need to make a decision on what they're doing there. But yeah, in terms of unsettling the Cardinals, we we need to beat them when we next come up against them, I suppose, which is middle of December, I think, just before Christmas. Yeah, I I think it will come down to divisional games and, and how the Niners and the Seahawks play against us and the Cardinals. But I mean, that, that seems like a trite answer saying it'll come down to the divisional um, records. But, you know, there's nothing so true is that you can win or lose your division with those games. And I, I think we'll, we'll, we do need to make a statement when we go down to Phoenix and play them again. Andy, your thoughts on the NFC West? As Amelia said, you know, a lot of it is down to, unfortunately, injuries, you know, for, for both those teams. I still think, you know, it's still the strongest division in the NFL, but it's just it's injuries. You know, as I said, you know they've got the quarterback controversy from San Francisco. George Kittle seems to be in and out of games a lot. They've gone through, I think, about six or seven running backs over the past, you know, so far this season. It's just unlucky injuries. I think you know, I think we saw it last year with the you know the 49ers. They had a lot of injuries, and they just seem to be unlucky. You know. With the injury bug, whereas we're lucky, which I'm quite happy with, they can have all the injury bugs for the division and we'll just have, you know, none. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quite happy with that. But I think we'll see once, once, you know, Russell Wilson comes back for the Seahawks. Let's see how he looks. I still think the Seahawks could still sneak in to the wild card. We could still end up with a free, you know, free teams from our division making the playoffs. You know, there's still quite a bit to go. But, there you know. For the Cardinals, I think, again, yeah, we've just got to beat them or, you know, just hopefully another team can beat them. But, you know, as you say, the divisional games are so important. They, I think, especially in our division, they make or break your season. I think that's why the division's so hard is that it does make or break. You lose against either of the teams twice. You pretty much can sign yourself out, the, out of, you know, the playoffs. Yes, it's, it is tough. But I mean, you know, we covered this a couple of weeks ago and about the NFC West and playing good teams every season, home and away, does forge your own team in, into a decent team. You have to be better just to even have a sniff of getting through to the wild card and the playoffs. So I, th- I think that answers John's question. I think we'll give him a difficult one when he's next on as well. But Nabil Awan on on. Twitter, and I've just butchered his name probably. He's still worried about our defence. We struggled against a below-average Lions team and gave up over 400 yards to Goff and Co. Is this defence good enough to take us to the Super Bowl? At the end of the day, I think our defence actually won that game for us at the weekend with those two interceptions to kill it. But um, and I, I can see why people are more concerned about the defence because the offence is doing so well at the moment. But does the defence worry you at all, Amelia? Um, not especially. I think the, the Lions game was a tricky one. What frustrated me in that game was that you know that Goff's not going to be throwing long passes. So they were always going to be looking to somebody like DeAndre Swift. And despite that, we still didn't really have the answer to stop him. Um, so that was frustrating. But as you say, I think the defence did win us that game. You know, that interception from Jalen Ramsey was huge in the end. So... I think they have that big playability when it counts, but they've got to be consistent throughout the, the game. Um, and that's probably where they let us down a little bit last week. Andy? I think what fans have got to remember is we've gone from the number one defence in the league. You know, it's difficult to keep that going year in, year out. Teams figure out. And another thing I'd probably say is, you know, everyone keeps saying Raheem Morris is basically taking Brandon Staley's and his you know defense from last year, and he's just running with it. If you're not making changes 
teams have figured you out because they've already got last year's playbook on you. It makes me wonder that maybe, you know, th- just little things need to be schemed up a little bit. The only thing I'd say is I'm not, I'm starting not to like Ramsey being this, you know, float around wherever. I'd rather we just went, right, there's their number one receiver. Right, you, you go cover him, take him out of the game. We, we seem to play better that way. I think we've got to look what left us on the defence as well last year. You know, we've lost John Johnson. We lost Troy Hill. Brockers has gone. They were important players for us that we're trying to replace with rookies and, you know, second-year players. And I think, you know, it's just a case of maybe the quality isn't as good as it has been in the past. Okay. And you've moved on to the question that Scott Kirkwood um, posed on Twitter as well. How do we feel about Ramsey being moved all over the defence? He got the big interception and a big hit on Goff, which is true. But uh, Scott is very much on the fence about which position or how Jalen Ramsey should be um, be playing for us. Do you have a view on that, Amelia? I, I'm just going back to the Seahawks game. I think he, when he was one-on-one with, I know DK Metcalf is an absolute freak of nature, but he actually really struggled in that game. Um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed to him being moved around, but it, he's one of those players where I, I think he is a bit streaky. I think we... We always recognise when he comes up with the big plays, but there are patches in games when he can go missing. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that's probably what we were saying overall about the defence. It's that consistency. Um, he's the sort of player, he, he, you can see it in him, he needs to be up for a game. And when he's up for a game, he tends to play well. Indeed, indeed. OK, so I think that answers um, Scott's question. Um, and a good question here from Lewis Perry, if we don't if we try not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, Lewis. Um, but how strongly do you believe that Cup can break Calvin Johnson's receiving yards record this season? That's a big question because we're looking at, from 2012, 1,964 yards. And Cup is on, is it 804 at the moment? I'll check that number in a second. But Amelia, do you think Cooper Cup can do that? I think he's capable of it. And he seems to have a very good rapport, doesn't he, with Stafford? So I suppose, again, it will come down to can he stay healthy? And you really hope with somebody like Cooper Cup that he can because he's missed so many games for us in the past, which is a shame. And again, whether teams start to scheme around him a bit more, which is always a risk. We've seen that in the past with some of our players. But in terms of raw ability, then I think he's he's capable of it. And, and fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah fingers crossed indeed. As as, the, as my favourite player on the team, as I am want to say at least once a week. But I mean, I, I think I, I sort of hope that other teams do scheme for Cooper Cup because I think that plays into Robert Woods because he's it's not as if he's it's not as if he really should be like a second wide receiver pretty much anywhere else in the league he would be the number one and if they start targeting Cooper Cup it will just open up the options for Robert Woods and Van Jefferson so it's, it's the devil you know or the devil you don't uh, any thoughts there, Andy? Again, you know, I don't see why he can't. You know, we've got the, you know, we've got the extra game as well this year. You know, which helps. He's on what it's a eight hundred and nine yards yep. at the moment and nine touchdowns. You know, so he's pretty much trebled last season's touchdown record already, and he's only about one hundred and seventy yards off his totals from last year. There's potential for him to do it. You know, as you say, it's whether he can. You know, if we can keep him fit and healthy then let's hope so. You know, it might be that goal that drives them. Now, you know, you get into that point of the season where you start looking at that. The, the first thing I think everybody always wants is, you know, your you receivers to, you know, get over a thousand yards. I think pretty much he's, you know, barred a complete catastrophe, he's done that already. So, you know, it may be something that he'll start looking at and maybe it'll give him that personal drive to go on to maybe do it. But as you say, you know, if he does start getting covered, you know, hopefully that leaves other players like, you know, Van Jefferson, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby to start getting open and maybe, you know, spreading the love for around from Stafford. Because I think you know, the more love, you know, the more we can spread, 
the harder it is for teams to play against us because you know it'll be a case of well, well everyone guard Cooper Cup. Let's you know it'll open up. With, it'll be a well we can guard Cooper Cup or we can bob you know guard Bobby Woods or you know so hopefully you know we can start getting things open for other players. But hopefully, I'm to be honest, fingers crossed. I'm hoping Cup does do it because you know that would be just so great for him because you know he is such a hard working player and you know. I think even a lot of neutral fans now, you know, who don't support the Rams are starting to realise just how good Cup actually is. Yeah, I mean, I mean definitely. I mean, I, I think he's got the potential to do it. Yes, there is the injury question to be answered. Hopefully that go, all goes OK. It'd be fantastic for him to get to a thousand yards in the next two weeks. And I think there's there seem, does seem to be a rotation between... Woods and Cup being targeted by by Stafford. I think his preference is is Cup, but it's only two weeks ago that Robert Woods put 150 yards on the board in a single game, and this week it was it was Cooper Cup putting 150 yards on the board. So I I don't th- I, I I sounds terrible to this for me being a big Cooper Cup fan, but I don't care which receiver racks up two or three touchdowns and 150 yards as long as we do it on a consistent basis. And I think it's absolutely fantastic that we've got two players that we're not even surprised when they do that. Um, no, so I think that's it. We, you know, I think because we see them week in, week out, we see how good they are. It's it's the fact that, you know, Nash, you know, People nationally aren't looking at them, you know, unless we play against their team and they'll go, oh, yeah, he was good that week. But, you know, the, the fact that they're getting that spotlight is good. It's the age-old question. Would we rather Cup went under the radar and still get left open? Or would we rather, you know, let him have the national spotlight and everyone's looking at him and then teams start shutting him down? It's, it's, that, it's kind of that balance, isn't it? Which one would you prefer? Indeed. Anything else to add? Because we're just about out of questions. We're just about out of time. But Amelia, anything else to add? No, not from me. Andy? No, nothing from me at all. Excellent. And we'll wrap up by just taking a quick look at, obviously, Thursday night football is the Arizona Cardinals against the Green Bay Packers. Um, so hopefully we'll get an early start to a winning weekend and uh, the Pack do us a favour by um, downing the Cardinals. As we move into a 5 p.m. kickoff on Sunday, remember, folks. And thank you, Amelia, for joining us this evening. Hopefully, we'll see you again at some point before the end of the season. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem at all. And many thanks for appearing again, Andy. No, nope, no worries. Thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Hopefully. Excellent. Thanks all. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more, make sure you follow the guys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Los Angeles Rams UK or head to laRams.uk for articles and merch.